Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in. It's Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkis. He's EJ Snyder. We continue to do this thing every week during the year. The Bears keep losing. <laughs> what are we doing? And yet? <laughs> and yet? We're we still remain. here. We remain. So welcome in. Uh, again, if you're new to the program this year, we are an Ask Us Anything uh, show. So, you know, the show's driven by you. The show's driven by what you like and what you want to talk about. And if you want to talk about the Bears, we'll do that. If you want to talk about movies, we'll do that. If you want to talk about pop culture. I don't know, EJ and I are kind of old, but we can do some stuff, right? Like, sure. we, you know, we're, we don't know everything, but we know stuff. Maybe you want an old guy's reaction, right? And we can we can give you that. Uh, and if you want an even older guy's reaction, we'll call Lester and we'll, and we'll ask him. Uh, but... <laughs> Lester's catching strays on Bears Over Beers. I'm salty tonight, you know. That's I figured okay. we'll keep it between friends. I won't. I won't fire off on anybody. But you know, it's like, uh, you know what? Let, let me let me start off with a rant. How's that? Yeah, here let's it, do it. Here, here it is, EJ. I'm 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 a little tired. I'm a little tired because I've had a week, right? Professional yep. life. It's busy. You know, got the got the flu shot, the COVID shot. You know, a couple of days ago. You know, so, so I'm a little salty. You know, but I'm looking back on my work to start the year. And, you know, there's been times where Bears fans are just, they're just want to complain about everything, right? Mm -hmm. So I write a column called 10 Thoughts on the NFL. And there was, <laughs> there was a time where uh, on, on an article talk called 10 Thoughts on the NFL, I talked about, I talk about all the teams, not just sure. the Bears, right? I mean, I don't, usually I throw something in that's Bears related, but in this one, I just was marveling at how fun the, the Dolphins were a few weeks ago. And someone got real upset about that. So, oh, the next I week, a, I have a theory. <laughs> Go ahead. Was it Kyle Brant's burner? No, it could have been right. <laughs> so, so I, so the next week they go and they score 70. So, I, so 70. I dedicated the entire column to uh, the Dolphins. I made each point one of the 10 touchdowns because they scored 10 touchdowns. And then I just talked about how the Dolphins were built and then basically did it like, you know, wouldn't it be nice, right, for the Bears? Um, and then, of course, you know, I was fishing for somebody to get mad at that one. And, you know, there, there was a couple of people. But for the most part, that was a little bit more calm. And I wrote a column about uh, uh, TJ Edwards uh, being off to a great start in terms of tackle numbers yep. and how he could potentially be the new tackle leader. And then when you look, well, who is the tackle leader, right? And what's the, where's the official stat start? It's actually kind of an interesting question to ask because – before 1993, teams kept their own stats, yeah. and uh, that that put uh, Dante Jones as the known leader. But it's kind of actually a weird stat because Jones played in '93 and beyond, mm -hmm. or '94 and beyond. I, th I think is what it what it is. And so he has his stats on Pro Football Reference that you can find. But a guy like Singletary, who retired right before they became official, he doesn't have his tackle stats up there, right? So you don't actually know what his unofficial tackle stats are because they're not posted. Or if they are, I don't know where they're at, right? I don't know Buckus is, right? You can't go back further. So the guys that played past the year where they made them official, you can see their unofficial stats going backwards, but you can't see the other guys. They don't, they don't post them. They have different mm. stat columns. And so the biggest number that you can find for a bear season is Jones's. Right. But it's unofficial. So is that really his record or is it Roquan's record? 
which he set in a bad year, um, which is like in the 160s, 163 or something like that. So that could be the record. Or are you someone who says, I don't like the idea of combined tackles. It just has to be solo tackles. That's right. And then it's Erlacher's record, right? So it's, it's kind of an interesting question. And I thought, well, this is kind of fun. I'll put it out there, a little silver lining. People want something positive <laughs> about the Bears. I get killed for that. Who cares? The Bears suck. It's a, it's a stupid record because the Bears suck. The Bears D-line sucks. So the, the record doesn't matter because it's a linebacker on a bad team, bad defense, of course. And I'm like, do you know these other guys that I'm talking about? 1990s Bears linebacker, they were terrible. Uh, Erlacher, the year that he has the most solo tackles, that defense was terrible. Like, you get that like this happens. <laughs> like Sometimes you set records on bad teams. Uh, and, and so there's a complaint there. But if I say something nice, then there's a complaint there because the team sucks. If I, if I say something bad, well, I'm just piling on. I'm just part of the negative Chicago media. And I got, I ask you people, I ask you good people of the internet, of the podcasting community, of the YouTube community, what am I supposed to write about for the next three months? It's right? a no, very... seriously, I want to know, what am I supposed to write about for the next three months? Because that's because I'm obligated to do so. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that I, I, I'm joking a little bit. I'll write things that are interesting and, and most people I think continue to find them interesting, but this fan base is a powder keg. This fan base is just angry. At everything they're upset. They just want to see some winning football. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> I think they just want to see blood at this point. Uh, everybody has hit their limit and that's what happens when your team doesn't have answers and has to march out there every week and, and get paddled and, that's what the Bears are looking forward to. Uh, they might be able to steal a win or two. Maybe it's possible. We could definitely see improvement. There's almost nowhere to go but up on almost every unit on this team. So, yeah, some coaches should get it together. Some young players might develop and provide some sparks, but we're not talking about a resurgence here. We're not talking about a renaissance of bears football that's don't get it twisted this is going to be a team that gets thumped on on the regular and it is difficult to stare down that particular barrel for the majority of the season it really started in week one which you know can't really get any earlier than that in terms of games that matter and yeah it gets on people's nerves people want the bears to be good and the bears are not likely to be good this year they're it would take a miracle. Well, I think you're right about right now. People want to see blood, which I think, which I think is a good thing, uh, or, or a thing that you're right about. Uh, <laughs> we, I don't know if it's a good thing. It is. Yeah. A thing. Um, it is a thing. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the drinks because we're already seven minutes in. We, I probably need one to calm down a little bit. A little uh, bit. What did you, what did you bring on? I actually went and got one. I have not gone to the liquor store in some time. So I was out of, any kind of daily drinkers. I had some nice things remaining, which I've been sort of piecing out on the podcast, but I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to go. And I have something I've not tried before and I'm excited. I get to open it on the podcast. Uh, I opened it and poured a shot of it because, and this is Hudson whiskey from New York. And this is their bright lights, big bourbon, straight New York bourbon whiskey. Um, pretty interested in New York distilling scene because it was, uh, depressed at to say the least when i was growing up it, it was almost non-existent um strangely enough it had not really ever rebounded after prohibition um distilling had moved to other parts in the country for the most part um we know many of those parts but there has been a renaissance speaking of renaissances in um new york distilling especially empire rye if you're not familiar with that go check it out it's really cool it's a really neat movement um this is a distillery that makes an empire rye but this is obviously not a rye it's bourbon so i'm excited uh if i have never tasted something before i always taste the first bit of it straight and then as you know usually i prefer it over ice so i brought a glass of ice too but uh, that's what i'll be drinking what are you going to be calming down with? Well, just, just to talk about New York. So the, one of the reasons why Kentucky bourbon is so good is because of all the limestone. So the limestone pulls the impurities out of the water. Uh, and so you get a lot of really great base when you, when you drink Kentucky bourbon, right? So it's limestone filtered water. And that, mm -hmm. that's what, that's the key to, to, I mean, of course the, the yeast strains and the, you know, all the other process matters, but the, the water is a really big deal. And a lot of those distilleries have that you know they talk about that they know how important yeah. it is and that's why it's hard to find good bourbon in other parts of the country mm -hmm. but 
New York has limestone water. So that they can actually do that. You know, it's not it's not as big as you know Kentucky in terms of where you can locate, but but they sure the other places in the world, Scotland has 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 a and Ireland have have good uh, uh, limestone water as well. So anyway, a uh, little little aside there. I actually made a cocktail. Um, oh, there you go. That, that kind of day, I had some mint that I needed to use, um, and so all I did was I basically made a a, a mo, mojo rita. Uh, Ooh. So not a mo, mojito. Um, yeah. but with tequila and uh, threw a little club soda in it. And um, I actually threw a little, um, uh, a little or uh, curacao, orange curacao oh, in it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like I would make a margarita, but with some mint and some club soda. I like it. I like the creativity. I like the mashup. It's good. I'll, and I was going to say, and uh, you know, it's uh, kind of the last vestige of, of, warm weather here yeah, we're, now, say, we're now moving uh, into cooler weather and then we're gonna get cool cool cold here in the midwest here this weekend so yeah it was uh it was a bit of a temperature trip uh i was in austin on friday and oh, saturday wow, sure and i was in dallas on sunday so um yeah i landed in austin it was 95 degrees the morning i left it was 53 degrees uh so always fun to dress on the plane knowing you're gonna land in in mid 90s um went to kansas texas on saturday which was a lot of fun got some it's my second time at dkr and that's a that's a fun stadium when it's hopping it was warm uh to say the least uh austin knights i believe they're austinites uh said oh no this it's so cool <laughs> it's really cooled down and i was like dude mm-hmm. 95 freaking degrees like it's it's hot um and then made the drive up to dallas on sunday morning and got to see pat's cowboys at at&t also my second time at at&t um cowboys completely dismantled the pats but um the the cool thing about that was uh we got field passes before the game which is pretty cool so got to be down on the corner and like the broadcast team walked by and there's greg olson and of course the players are all warming up there and to me, it's just it was super cool, not because I love the Cowboys or anything else, but because uh, they they sell or give away or whatever a very limited number of those field passes. And I was looking at all the people and, you know, all generations from little kids to, you know, folks in their 60s, 70s, who've probably been Cowboys fans for five, six decades. And for them, for all of them, this is their moment on the surface of the sun. Like they are. They are on holy ground. They get to take pictures right next to the field and, you know, players come by and shake their hand and stuff. And they're going to remember that forever. And I don't ever want that to be like a callous type thing that I'm like, oh, yeah, I got field passes, whatever. I was like, this is really special for all these people. Like, it's cool for me. I enjoy it as a football fan, as somebody that covers the league. But to all these people, like this may be the one time they get to do this in their whole life. And that's that's meaningful like there's you saw a lot of really cool interactions there so it was good the game wasn't great the pats folded the dallas just leaned on them and that that was it it was over but anyways flew home sunday night and yeah it's uh leaves are coming down here it's in the 40s now in the morning like it's 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 coming yep it's coming we're gonna get there here soon so well let's get into this uh this football team and let's debut my word that i created for today's column Cluster flus. Ah, ah, that's what this, yes. uh, that's what this team is right now. It's a, yeah. it's a real cluster flus. 100%. So what in the world is happening with Maddie Reflus? Because the, he, he's messing around with his press conferences and him talking to the media, giving inaccurate information. And, you know, these, these people are not dumb. Like they, they want answers. They want to be able to file a story that's accurate. And when you're giving bad information that your PR team comes up and has to correct a half an hour later, um, you know, we still, we still do not know everything about Alan Williams. Now, whether or not that's the responsibility of Matty refused to say anything, there's some weird timing on press conferences where he's on the record of saying things that then get switched pretty quick after that. Like things aren't going well. Nope. And and so you have the Chase Claypool situation, which I think is part of this cluster flus, where he's 
I mean, he's not part of the team anymore. They're trying to get rid of him. They're trying to trade him. They're trying to, you know, they're at least going to cut him. But, you know, he comes out and says, well, he was, you know, he, he chose to stay home. PR team backs backs it out. No, he was actually, he was asked to stay home. And, oh, actually, he's not even going to be here this week. We've asked him. It's better for the team if he's not here at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that. But, you know, Lester and I talked about it. We put a lot of it on the individual. Chase Claypool himself, like, I mean, he's, mm. he's, he's costing himself tens of millions of dollars, but this is also happening on Iberfus's watch. So 100%. what is happening to this team in terms, this is supposed to be a culture coach and this guy doesn't have a culture. This is supposed to be a guy that has a defensive background and the bears might be one of the three worst defenses in the league right now. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Mm-mm. Um, you know, last year their pass rush was non-existent, and we all kind of gave him a pass because, well, he doesn't have, you know, they're, you know the, the talent's not there. They're on a pace for a much worse sack total so yep. far this year, and they have better players. So if you're a defensive-minded coach who's supposed to bring in culture and you have a locker room that's in disarray, you're not communicating well with the media, and you can't call defense, what are you doing here? It's a legitimate question at this point, and that is a tough place to be in the first month of the season. Like asking, what does your head coach do? You know, what's it's a lot like a football team, like football teams are a reflection of their coaching. And there are football teams that we get to week six or week seven or sometimes earlier and we go, what's their identity? What are they what are they good at? What do they do when they need to? Can they can they get a stop? Do they do they go to the run? Do they open it up? You know, what's their what's their thing? What do they hang their hat on? And there's nothing, and those teams don't do very well. Coach Eberflus is in a relatively similar position, and it's across the board. It, it's, your question is valid. What what is it that you do here? If you're coordinating defense, that's great, but if we're going to judge you on the defensive stats, you're not going to like it. If we are going to judge you on your culture, which was supposedly your rallying point, and, and he puts a lot of time and effort into that. That largely has been his public face during his time as the coach of the Bears is I have the hits principal and I'm bringing alumni in and, and I'm trying to reconnect the organization. And, you know, we really we appreciate the community. And like that's been most of the messaging that we've gotten from Eberflus, most of the team specific stuff has largely come from polls or the chances that we get or got uh, with, you know, coordinators, position coaches, rarely, almost never hear from position coaches under the current regime. So what is it that you're doing here? Because like you said, the messaging stuff is extremely troubling. And in to my I, to my estimation, this is what happens. This is like watching somebody unravel professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's really rough. Like this is a hard thing. He's a human being, you know, he doesn't want to suck. I don't, I don't think anybody like goes to work going, man, I'm going to be terrible today. Right. Like everybody goes, I'm trying my best here and he is trying his best and it's not working. He's losing his grip. Um, certainly on the team, the media, is another place where he has clearly lost his grip. Um, it happened this week. I don't know about you, but there was a very distinct tone turn from some reporters who have been yes. very, very down the line with the bears, meaning they took what the bears gave them at face value and parroted that stuff. Right. And that's their livelihood. They are being judged on whether or not they're accurate and truthful and how much information they get and scoops and everything else. And they have been basically mirroring exactly what the bears have said. And I don't think that's a reporter's job, but it is a modern definition of a type of reporter. There are several reporters out there who cover the team who have been doing that like religiously. They, the bears say something, they say it to us with no comment or commentary. They just say, bears said this, and this is what's happening. Several of them, two to three of them, turned significantly within the last five days and right. basically said, the bears said this, 
but I don't believe them anymore because right. I, you know, it was the professional version of screw you. I am off the train. Like you have pulled me along far enough and I'm not going down with your particular ship. This is my professional well-being. Um, you're tarnishing that now and I'm going to throw you under the bus for it. And some of it was nice. It was all fairly professional, but it was also very distinct. I am now kind of like the turn I had last week on this show where I said, I'm now a hostile witness. You need to prove it to me. I am not taking what you say at face value anymore. Bunch of reporters sort of followed suit. I'm not saying they listened to bears over beers. I'm saying they chose in their own. They obviously should, but they should. But I'm sure they said enough is enough. Like I have been led down the well this is baloney. There's nothing down here but darkness. I'm going to start climbing back out because this is dumb. You do not have a handle on it. You do not know how to handle it. I thought you did. I gave you lots of benefit of the doubt. Like this could have happened weeks and or months ago. Did not. Um, and a bunch of folks basically said, that's it. I'm saving my own skin. And that is a very significant turn for those of us that watch the Chicago media. Um, that is, that is everybody's out of the boat. Like nobody wants to be around rats, leaving the sinking ship, whatever. I'm not calling journalists rats, <laughs> just a figure of speech, but like nobody wants to stay. Everybody's off at this point. It is, it is as toxic as it gets. It is, um, not in any way positive at this point. Like they're, they're, nobody's looking for nuggets anymore. Nobody, nobody wants a scoop or a story. Everybody wants out and doesn't want to be associated with this because it is on fire. It's in disarray. It's sinking. You can say whatever you want, but there is a serious lack of institutional and organizational control that definitely falls on the head coach's job desk title, you know, buck stops here. Right. Um, doesn't seem like that's being claimed by the head coach falls upwards towards the general manager. Uh, most of it, I mean, polls is doing his best to try and keep a lid on all this stuff, but it all just keeps erupting. And that's, that's again, that's very um, indicative of what's going on with the entire organization. Left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Can he get like basic messaging straight? Um, forget the product on the field, which is abysmal. Like it is, it is all going wrong right now. We're getting to watch it kind of like slow motion train wreck and it is rough. Yeah. It's basically the uh, gift from Anchorman where it's, uh, <laughs> I don't believe you, you know, yeah. and the number of times that, you nope. know, like someone like you and me, we can do that pretty early on. Cause we don't have to, we don't have the relationships inside Hallis hall, which, puts us at a disadvantage in, in many ways. Um, but it also puts us in an advantage in, in a, in a way that we don't have to protect any sort of relationship. And so if we smell BS, we can call it out. Sure. And, and I think that we have been, you know, not just you and me, but plenty of other people, you know, uh, people on our team, people that uh, we, you know, that are, are, we would consider our colleagues have been doing that too. Like calling that like, nah, this isn't right. Right. Yeah. And all this stuff with Alan Williams coming out. And again, we do not know the full story of Alan Williams. I'm going to keep saying that until we get it right. Or at least enough to satisfy that we know what's, what, what has happened. But there was a lot of BS flying around there. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, I, I don't know the real story, but the story that they were feeding you was clearly BS. And so it's like, you know, let's <laughs> let, at least treat us like adults. Right. I, I think uh, you, yeah. you, you owe your fan base, you you owe the media that much respect to just treat us like adults. You know, I know you can't say everything, but like say that. Well, right? yeah, there is BS. a way to do this. Right. And that's a lot of people like, well, they're doing the best we can. They're, you know, they don't have any baloney. You have a choice. You can literally do what you just said. Look, it's a developing situation. There are legal ramifications. We're not at liberty to say when we are, we'll say what we can. That may not, probably won't be what you all want to hear or enough to satisfy you. But we too have obligations. You know, we're not going to say things that aren't true. We're just going to say nothing for now because that's both prudent and what we're required to do. And that's it. We're going to talk football for a bit because we literally can't tell you anything else. So, you know, as details become available, we'll share them. And that's that. Like, you can just say that. And that, you know, 
it doesn't make people happy. They're still going to go away grumbling. Reporters always want to scoop in a story. But at least you treated them, like you said, like adults and professionals and said, hey, I'm doing my job. You're doing your job. Nobody's mad at each other here. I can't do what you want me to do. And that's where we're at instead of, oh, well, it's this. No, it's not. It's this. Oh, no, that's not right. Um, and then making up something else to cover that. And it just kind of snowballs. And then you get you lose that very critical trust of the local press corps and they don't believe you anymore. And so now anything you say, whether it's about coaches, players, schemes, results, whatever, it comes with a, <laughs> I don't believe you. Well, and that's how you lose organizational trust. It's not about, you know, it, it's not about the crime. It's about the cover up, right? Like that's, sure. that's, that's a lot of, you know, the, the, the bear is not bringing in people, you know, notifying the And again, we do not know everything that happened. Maybe there's nothing behind it or, you know, or there's something very serious or something in between, but you know, for, for them to try to cover up or, or, you know, say things that are shinier or rosier than what they are, that only comes back to bite you. So again, head coach falls on, falls on your shoulders a lot, fair or unfair. It's a real cluster foos. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. We're going to coin that thing um, until he's, until he's, I love it. I think it's highly appropriate. Like, uh, all right, so we'll get into some questions here. Uh, we're going to start off with Graham, who's been hitting us up uh, quite a bit, and uh, we'll start with the fun one here. How many? Uh, he's at Yardbox seven seven G. I have no idea what that means. Uh, how many more consecutive games does Zipperflues have to lose before the show is retitled Bears Over Bourbon? I mean, we're up to fourteen straight losses. I haven't had a beer on this show in like, over a year, right? Like yeah. the whole shtick was that like I'd bring bourbon on after a loss. And then now it's just like, that's just what I drink is bourbon. This team drove me away from beer and to bourbon uh, <laughs> full time, right? So, oh. I mean, I just ha- I have to drink hard liquor now to, to be a fan of this this team. I don't know. Uh, I know it's a joke, but we're not going to change the name of the show because we have branding. We've got a cool <laughs> logo, right? Like, right. you know, so so that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, the the practice probably has changed, at least for me. Yeah. And in full transparency, we were just like pushing for transparency we'll tell you what we're drinking every week we will not say it's a beer and have bourbon or bourbon. <laughs> like by uh, the way this stuff is we'll talk about it at the end yeah okay have you had it yeah i've had some heads and palette yeah I, I like the new york scene because because again the limes i really do think the limestone this is good I'm so far you. early returns are good early returns are good and it's a neck pour so that's that's even better yeah. uh that you're you're enjoying it from that usually you need the bottle to open up a little bit yeah. Uh, so this is also from Graham. This is a more serious one. So he says, well, I kind of serious. He says the Bears won't be playing on Sunday. Um, which uh, historic Bears game uh, should he watch to remind himself Ooh. why he bothers following this team? So I thought that would be kind of interesting to say, like, you know, what what year or game maybe specifically like or you know, that is really was like a fun year to be a Bears fan. And I mean, like games, like, I mean, you could talk, uh, you watch like the signature games, like a peanut, the peanut Tillman game, the the one against the mm-hmm. Titans, right? Or there's games like that. But for me, what came to mind was the 01 season and how fun that was, because it was like a, mm. a team that like kind of came out of nowhere and they, they were winning games that you shouldn't and like the walk off, uh, you know, pick sixes, back to back walk off pick sixes by Mike Brown. Like that team was a lot of fun. And, yeah. and it was just like totally unexpected fun right so i don't know that that's the ones that came to me but what do you what pops to your mind when you think about that yeah it's more than games it's almost players and Mm. i love the i love the sort of kernel or facet that you pulled out there that was like unexpected fun because this year we're experiencing the opposite right and if you want to remind yourself why you bother following this team like we were expecting a good year we were expecting improvement we were expecting you know a bunch of things to gel and come together and be better almost nothing is uh which is scary because last year was a purposely down year to clear the books um so it seems hard to do worse but yet with many more things options money it is worse. Um, so that's like unexpected bad. So the unexpected good, whether it was uh, low round draft picks who panned out, I'm thinking about folks like Johnny Knox, um, who were just like, whoa, like, what is mm. this? Like, this is the thing. Bernard Berrien, you know, if we're talking about wide receivers. B twice. Yeah. 
And, you know, obviously Mike Brown was a, was a higher pick and, you know, a good player, but the walk-offs were super special because it hadn't happened that way. Um, Anytime you thought very little of the team or like had very low expectations and something really cool happened, even if it was limited, even if it wasn't a playoff appearance, if it was just a single game or, uh, you know, uh, even a single player performance, even if they didn't win that particular game where you just went, whoa, that guy can really play. Um, you know, I think about uh, Warwick Holden was one of my favorite oh. bears for a while because like he was just wasn't a super high round pick. He was super athletic, but like all of a sudden it was like, man, there was a, there was a period there where I was like, holy shit, or Coleman can really play like in the tradition of bears linebackers. We weren't expecting him to be the next great. And he's not the next great, you know, he wasn't the next great bears linebacker, but he was like really good there for a bit. And then there's the whole paperwork thing and whatever, but like on the field, like he was an unexpected fun player. Um, and there've been a lot of those. You know, whether it's a training camp hero, it's it's more fun if it happens in the regular season, according to me. Um, no other source there. But, you know, those are the ones I think of where you just kind of went, oh, man, like this is fun. This is fun to root for. It was unexpected. So. Uh oh, JB froze. His Internet's kind of like finicky. It. Oh, he's back. Yeah. If that happens, just you just you just keep rolling. Um, so I just uh, let's move to the next. <laughs> I no, I got you. Uh, I can, so I can still hear you, but uh, it's it's uh, it, it freezes me up a little bit here. So this was actually from me. I put this out, and it seemed to get a lot of response. So the Commanders oh, are giving up six sacks per game. That is the worst in the league so far in the early early going. The Bears' defense is recording half a sack per game, which is the worst in the league in the early going by a long shot. Um, how many sacks are the Bears? It, will the Bears' def- defense record? Tomorrow night. Two. 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 And, you know, who knows? I'll, I'll even say it's one per half. But Howell has not been getting a lot of great protection, um, which is a year in offensive lineman, former offensive lineman. Like, you understand that you can have great players on an offensive line, but if the offensive line does not play together, um, you can have some bad results. So, Two things are true, and they're kind of opposite. Morgan Moses was playing the freaking lights out for the first, like, two and a half weeks. Like, he was so good, and almost nobody was talking about him. The line itself, eh, not so good. Um, They have some players I like, but again, it's whether or not those players are playing together, especially on the offensive line. Howell has been getting the snot beaten out of him, and the performance that he put in last week, despite getting the snot beaten out of him, is special special stuff and speaking of going back to the last question i put out a tweet that it reminded me very much of the game in russell wilson's rookie year midway through his year came to chicago pushed the bears to overtime largely through his own force of will in the second half he was not the russell wilson we were used to but he was morphing into that actually ended brian erlacher's career won that game in overtime and from then on he was like Ooh, this is a guy we kind of have to worry about. And he went on to become Russell Wilson. Sam Howell's game last week, especially the last drive in the fourth quarter, felt like that to me where he was getting hammered. Like the Eagles were beating the hell out of him. And he just kept making clutch throw after clutch throw, ice throw after ice throw, but he's still taking the hits. So protection's not great. Howell's playing really good. I think the Bears have a chance to get home. There's a couple guys, you know, Yannick can do it. Um, you know, Billings has showed the ability to do it a couple of times. He's going to, he's going to bulldoze the middle of the line a couple of times. I'd say they get to Howell twice. It's not going to be like a ton. It's certainly not going to be the Seahawks versus the giants where it was 11. Um, but I'll give them one in each half for two. I'm worried about the secondary holding up to be quite honest with you. Um, that that's what worries me the most is that uh, they're banged up and they're uh, and young um what the guys are young or you know lower pedigree players uh and so it's not like you're going to get a lot of howl having to get through his progressions and like bears just aren't they're not only are they not getting sacks they're not getting pressure and there's not a lot of creative pressure that's being called Applied. by yeah but i mean i mean honestly like he brought brisker a few few times last last game which is great like he got some pressure on the quarterback you know didn't record a sack but you know got some pressure but i mean he he's been so 
uncreative yep. throughout throughout this entire season and, and last season as well. And you just don't even see stunts. Like, I mean, it's just it's really sad. I mean, it's a sad pass rush to watch because they're just expecting there to be you know, the Eagles defensive line up there and they don't have it. And if you don't have it, you're going to have to generate it and create it and get, you know, and, and if you can't do that, and I know this is now devolved into me being upset with Eberflus, but that generally was what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, I, I mean, I think one, right. Like I think it, it's impossible for me to think that they're not just going to get to him once because they're, they have been so bad and he's, he's been holding on to the ball. But I, I, I mean, you know, people are saying, oh, three. Like, I, I don't know, man. Three would surprise me. That, yeah. That's how bad the pass rush is. Sometimes it's like, it really is an interesting question when you have two things that are both really bad. What's going to be, what's going to kind of, what's going to be out, worse? Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I was, I was arguing with our friend, not even arguing. We were just kind of going back and forth a little bit with, uh, with Sam Householder about the over under in last week's game. And I'm like, honestly, the over is going to be comfortably hit. Like, I felt pretty positive about that. And he's like, well, they're bad offenses too. I'm like, yeah, but these are really, really bad defenses, and these <laughs> offenses have players. They they have potential. I think that sure. I think the over is going to hit pretty comfortably. And I mean, I happen to be right. Another, you know, another, you know, multiverse. It's different, right? But you yep. know, sometimes you can just kind of see it in your head. And as bad as the Commanders have played in terms of pass protection early, and and Howell with you know young quarterback growing pains, I just don't see there being much of a threat on this Bears defensive scheme and philosophy uh, for him to have to worry too much. And then I think he's going to have opportunities to get the ball out of his hands Two pretty talented receivers. Um, you know, that, that's the other thing too. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have just one guy to throw to. He's got multiple good weapons and, and he can get the ball out. So I, I don't know, I guess I would say one. Yeah. Um, and, and he's also and, got a scheme. He's got a coach that understands yeah. what to do when you don't have an offensive line. Like Bami right. did not have a great offensive line in Kansas city all the time. He understands how to protect your quarterback by getting the ball out of your hands quick. Um, Bobby Slowick's doing it for the Texans right now with CJ Stroud. Like the Texans line is completely grenaded. Like they're on to third and fourth options. They're, they're getting them back this week, but they've been doing it with, smoke and mirrors like get the ball out of your hands in two seconds like and stroud's been paying that off but that's slow saying i am not going to put you on five step drops i'm not going to put you on seven step drops we are going to run you know quick pistol stuff we're going to run two step drops we're going to run smoke routes like i'm going to protect you with scheme and eb knows how to do that so you're very right that they may just limit the bears opportunities that way instead of saying hey we're going to trust our line which would be a silly thing to do at this point um the thing that really bugs me about all of this, and you said it's devolving into a rant against Eberflus, is how many players leave the Bears and do better. And it seems like all of them now, mm. right? Roquan, we knew Roquan was really good. And he was going to a very good defense with a great defensive signal caller. He was going to be good all the time. That one doesn't really bother me. Yeah. But like Nicholas Morrow, like I was excited. You remember about Nicholas Morrow, right? I remember. Because, yeah. yeah. And I thought he was an ascending player that they were getting at the right time. And I was assuming foolishly again, hostile witness here that they would be able to continue that ascension. Nope. They stagnated it plateaued. He did basically nothing last year goes to the Eagles, Sean Desai, former bears coach again, having more success since he left, you know, turns Marl loose and he, you know, leads all interior linebackers in the league in sacks. Um, you know, Sam Mustafer, punching bag, Sam Mustafer goes to the Ravens. His pass blockings vastly improved, right? Uh, at least passable. <laughs> Let's just say that, which it was not while he was here. Like, again, right. here's the raw materials. How are you going to use them? Okay, we're going to take those same ingredients. We're going to give them to another cook. Oh, wow. Their food tastes way better. Yours is still crap. Like that bothers me on an organizational level because right. I'm into team building. I'm into the draft. I'm into acquiring assets and building a roster. But if your coaches can't utilize that roster, it's not going anywhere. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, that is frustrating. It helps to have the, the Eagles defensive line in front of you to be able to hundred percent, but yes, hundred no percent that, that there, and which is also, you know, Ryan Poles building this team outside in, which is weird, yeah. right? I mean, it just, that's the part about Poles that I don't understand, like that he 
He, well, he tried this year. Match. He he took a bunch of high picks and threw him at the defensive line. And again, one I think is good. I think Javon Dexter has potential. Um, and I I wasn't upset with that pick. The other defensive line pick, I was like, feels a little early to me. Like I'm not sure. And that's again, not saying he's not going to be a good player. But right. again, when you have a limited developmental coaching staff, he's not going to be a good player quick. Like Pickens doesn't have a lot of chance right now because this. Coaching staff in general has not made anybody a lot better. And that's rugged. All right. On that note, quick break. On the other side of it, we'll get into more questions. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, EJ, simple one from Oak Lightning at Oak Lightning One. Again, at Oak Lightning apparently was taken, so we had you at Oak Lightning One. Simply, when will the pain end? And I think that this question could be answered in a couple ways. One, when can the acute pain of the losing streak end? Okay, that's one. And then two, when can the more... Uh, you know, long-term issue of the pain of this franchise end, right? So when does this losing streak end? And then when can we maybe like get out of this muck? Okay, well, we'll keep it lighthearted for a second because we haven't been very lighthearted this far. How is Bears fandom like hitting your hand with a hammer? Is 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 this a setup to a joke? It is. Okay, uh, I don't know how how is Bears fandom like hitting your hand with a hammer? Feels so freaking good when you stop. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So the acute pain hitting your hand with a hammer, being you know bouncing off the bottom of the league in so many categories, and just seeing again this slow motion train wreck at all levels. Um, end of the season probably because the Bears do not fire people in season, which. I, I don't understand. Um, the league moves faster in every facet than it used to. Um, you know, the idea of a three-year building window is ridiculous. You're going to be fired in three years if you're not good, period. Right. Like, nobody gets three years anymore. So the idea of like, well, we'll just let them go through the season, that's fully one-third of that cycle. And if you're pretty darn sure that that's not occurring, get those folks gone, start your search process, and, you know, like, I don't know why that is, whether it's, oh, we're getting our money's worth out of them for another 14. You're not. They're not doing their job. You goofed. It's a sunk cost. Admit it. Get it gone. Um, as is, the Bears don't fire people in season. I think that's antiquated. Like, it, no, it's not going to get better in season. Like, that's clearly not going to happen. It almost never does. But get them gone. Clear the air. Say, nope, we made a mistake. It's over. Like, we know this isn't going anywhere. We're not just going to ride out the string. So unfortunately, end of the season for that. And then the question really, is, well, there are multiple questions. Does polls stay? Is this Kevin Warren's chance to clear the entire slate? That could be a whole nother show. Like literally that could be an entire episode where we talk about the case for poll staying and getting to use all the assets that he has accrued because he's accrued a lot of draft assets and, one one opinion says he should be able to use those. Um, the other one says, baby in bathwater, like <laughs> we look at the sum total of your decisions. Yes, you had to do some of this, but the, the things you didn't have to do, we're not really wild about those decisions and that doesn't feel good enough. And so we're just going to start over. So not saying one's right or one's wrong, but that's probably the next linchpin that will happen really quickly is who goes? Is it everybody or is it everybody below polls? Um, and then really who the next coach is, right? If the bears can, and I'm not saying they can, but if they do land somebody like Ben Johnson, there is renewed hope right there. Ben Johnson has developed lesser players. He has maximized an offense around people that aren't 
you know, generational quarterbacks, right? It's not Adam Gase with Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning saying Adam Gase is great. Well, no, it was really Peyton Manning calling most of those plays. So, you know, Adam Gase is average. Like Ben Johnson's done it with Jared Goff, who is a good starter, but not great. And he's made him look great. We're talking about a top four, top three offense last year. Like, so there's some hope right there. Um, if you get a good coach and figure out your quarterback situation. Now I'm not saying Justin's gone. If he continues to play great for the rest of the year, maybe somebody like Ben Johnson goes, Hey, I could work with that. That's great. Or maybe it's the number one overall pick and you just want Caleb and you pair him with Ben Johnson. That's enough to turn an organization around. I mean, I look at the Texans, Texans were a laughing stock up until they got rid of Jack Easterby. Hired D'Amico Ryans. Nick Casario had two great drafts. D'Amico comes in, changes the culture. CJ Stroud comes in with a bunch of questions. Bobby Sloak, like, <laughs> paced those over and says, nope, we can win right now with a rookie. And the team plays in D'Amico's image. Fast, tough, physical, smart. They bought in. They're winning games they shouldn't already. And, you know, if you look at their schedule, it's pretty soft. Like, that organization is turned around right now. Talk about short right. windows. Like that organization has turned around. They got a quarterback. They got a coach. They got somebody that understood offense. They're playing fast, playing hard. They're getting the most out of their players, even players that were drafted before the current regime. Like that's the model. That's the hope. So if you want hope, that's what we're looking for. That could end the pain quickly. Are the Bears going to get out of their own way enough to do that? We'll see. But unfortunately, not till the end of the season. You're not going to see really any significant movement till the end of the season. All right, let me answer the short-term acute pain part of it then. Let's just look at the schedule. Could the Bears beat Washington tomorrow night in Washington? Could they? Yes. Sure. Will they? I'm not so sure. I think Washington's playing better football right now. Obviously, the Bears have been pretty terrible. Uh, I just don't. I just don't think they match up that well, right? Um, so that would be my worry uh, for that game. The next week, so they got a mini buy, so they get a little extra break. They play Minnesota. Now, I think Minnesota's on the down. I mean, I've, I said that from the beginning. I have an under bet on Minnesota. Like, I just, and they weren't even that high of an over under. Like, I, Vegas already had them sniffed out, and I didn't even think that they could reach that. And, and you can see they're one and three. They still got Kirk and Justin Jefferson, who by themselves can eat up a Bears defense. Like, so I, I, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence that the Bears can hang. Sure. with Kirk and Justin. So if you don't get it done tomorrow night, I don't know that you can get it done against Minnesota. You play Vegas at home, and I don't think that the Raiders are that good of a football team. I think that's yep. a winnable game. Even yep. even as bad as you've been playing, I think that's a winnable game. If you don't get it done there, you got to go on the road to play the Chargers, who are a much better team on paper, even if they play down to everybody. Uh, and then you got to go to New Orleans on that fast track. And again, I know New Orleans isn't that good of a team, but Going to New Orleans, I don't love that that the chances there either, which takes you all the way to November 9th against on Thursday night against Carolina. Carolina might be as bad as you, right? That like Carolina might be as bad as the Bears. So that might be the game that breaks it if they can't get it done tomorrow night or at home against the Raiders. That that's kind of where I'm at looking at the schedule. I don't love some of the other matchups. Now, if they were playing a lot better on both sides of the ball, like I mean, if Again, the Bears the, the Bears offense looked pretty good against Denver. It's a pretty bad defense, but like still, they, they at least they got something going. They got to, you know, and, and you hope that they can continue that momentum. That defense is still terrible. The defense does not look good at all for this yep. entire losing streak. Like they're giving up 25 points and more every game, like we've we've talked about before. So I just the acute pain may extend for quite a while I, I <laughs> the mean, beatings I, will continue until morale improves exactly um uh, i do think that the raiders game is winnable uh because i just i don't think they're very good i've watched them i just i'm, I'm not I, i'm not a fan of what they're doing there um i think they're they're a team that doesn't have an, a direction like they don't have an identity i don't know what they are supposed to be uh but but again even even a guy like jimmy garoppolo if he's healthy could pick apart this bears defense the, you know you're kind of looking at the carolina game you know, and that, that's sad. I don't want to go all the way into November and have it be that losing streak be, I don't know, 17, 18 games at that point. Whatever. Yeah. And I mean, it is 19. There's a lot of variables between here and there. I mean, NFL seasons in general for all teams are very uncertain. Um, 
you know, you don't, you don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Raiders. You don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the bears by the time they get to Carolina. Like there's every chance that Justin gets dinged. Right. And maybe it's Tyson Bajan starting against Bryce young. Like do you, some people might say that's better. Some people might say, no, that's not going to work against a defense that has a lot of dudes. Like they've been assembling dudes for the last two and a half years on the Carolina defense. They got a lot of speed. They're not playing particularly well as a team, especially on offense. They are now looking for a number one wide receiver, which is fascinating considering that player currently resides in Chicago. Um, and they're they're unlikely to get one, let's be honest, unless something really breaks their way. But you just don't know what's going to happen by then. And, you know, say the improbable happens and Carolina wins that game. <laughs> like at that point, you are at the absolute bottom staring up like because Carolina is clearly one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Like just you can say what you want about development. You can say what you want about roster building and players, but they do not have that mesh between their new head coach and their current roster. It is not clicking the way it is in Indianapolis or Houston or a bunch of other places. So, you know, that's kind of the worst case scenario in one way. And I realize that the draft pick competition makes it a little bit one way or another. It doesn't really kind of matter. But if you if you toss the game to Carolina, like what who are you hoping to beat at that point? Because there's there's nobody easier on your schedule. Everybody brings up the Cardinals, and I gotta tell you, I've watched the Cardinals. No, the Cardinals they're, are gonna kick the crap they're feisty. out of theirs. Yeah, the Cardinals are feisty. So I stop talking about the Cardinals. I mean, maybe again, maybe by the time you get there, but not right now. They're well coached and they're they're playing hard. Yeah. They're they're very much like the Rams, strangely enough, in the same division. God, Rams. But yeah, the Rams are like winning during a youth movement which is incredibly <laughs> difficult to do in the yes. nfl and playing well above where everybody thought they would like stafford has apparently hit the juvenation machine and is just freaking slinging whatever he wants to again saying i dare you looks like vintage right. stafford yeah. um you know puka puka nakua more, like more receptions than anyone in nfl history through four games now as a certified puka stan who said if I had three wishes from a genie this year that one of them would be Puka stays healthy. This was preseason. I'm feeling pretty good about that because he was amazing at Washington, suffered an injury. He was amazing at BYU, suffered an injury. Was really good at the Senior Bowl for the first couple of days he was there, suffered an injury. It's always been injuries, but every time he's had a chance to play, he's looked amazing, and he has looked beyond that. Like, again, all of NFL history, that's a lot of receivers. And Puka's caught more balls than any of them in the first four games. That's that's hard to think of. Yeah, well, he, he's helping my fantasy team stay. Oh, is he? Nice. Yeah. So I'm nice. I'm all I'm on I'm on the Puka train now. The team's not very good, but that, that's, you know, <laughs> that's why I made the move early. I was like, oh, let's try this guy. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, there's a couple of questions from last week that we'll finish with that I rolled over to this week that we didn't get to, but I think that ah uh, yes. Still, they're still relevant. So this is uh, one of the other questions from Omega Jolteon, which you know we mm -hmm. determined was a Pokemon thing. Um, so <laughs> sorry for not knowing that. Uh, but thoughts on Darnell uh, Wright versus uh, Jalen Carter. Um, and he says going into week four, but like through the sure. first quarter of the season. Uh, and then he also just notes like, why don't teams like the Seahawks or Raiders get any grief for passing on Carter? It's all about right. the Bears, right? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in those 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 fan bases much. I don't know if they're they are talking about that, nope. but, but they're not at all. OK, well, no, because they're winning and winning cures everything. I mean, you just put up well, not 11, the Raiders. No, but the Hawks just put up 11 yeah, yeah, versus Hawks. the hapless Giants. They're not asking, Hawks why don't good. we have another pass rusher like they're they're fine. <laughs> so I, I I think that the part of it is. You know, if, if you're all about culture, but you you're bringing in guys like Chase Claypool, like, you know, are you speaking out both sides of your mouth? That's like kind of the first step here. Yeah. And if you're doing that, then like, why aren't you just trying to take a guy like George Pickens? Why aren't you just trying to take a guy like Jalen Carter when you know, you probably had a really great draft grade on him and probably both of them because they're really good football players and, and they're showing out in their places. The other side of that is 
a lot of teams passed on him, or at least a few teams passed on Carter, and they landed in the perfect situations, right? Like we know that Steelers have a long history of, uh, you know, developing and being able to play wide receivers that have questionable backgrounds, whatever. I, again, the pick and stuff, whatever. I know this isn't even part of the question, but um, it, I think it goes to it. And the Eagles have this very stable locker room. They have tons of defensive linemen where he can just play, be a role player. Like he, he, he lands in the perfect place. Right. Now, if he's here in Chicago, is that the perfect place? Look at what's happening in this building, right? What could he, what would he be doing in this building if he's, uh, you know, he's thrust into something that's basically burning, you know, yeah. bur- burning down right now? I don't know. Like that, then that's what you can't do. You can't judge these players that go to perfect locations and say, "Man, I wish the I wish, wish the Bears would have." had. It's not the same. It's not the same veteran leadership. It's not the same uh, infrastructure. And so you don't know if those guys would survive. Now, in terms of Darnell Wright, it was a need and he has filled it. I know he hasn't been perfect, but he is a offensive tackle. They have to play every play. Jalen Carter can make a bunch of splash plays playing 30% of the snaps and people freak out because he's a defensive lineman. He doesn't have to play the full load and he's got veterans around him. He can go in. He can have his spurt and then he can run off the field and he can, he can rest. That's just what it is. That, that that's, the, you know, ideally you're going seven, eight deep on your, on your defensive line. An offensive lineman has to play every play and he, he still has to get up into that NFL game shape. He still has to have that nutrition and everything. Like I think, I think Darnell Wright is going to be damn good, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen so many good flashes and stretches from from his game that I I'm I'm sold. I think he's going to be really good. He's got to keep working at it, of course. And and again, more time in in the professional system is going to make him better. So I'm fine with it. Like I'm fine with it. It is what it is. I'm fine. It, it's already happened. I like the player. Yeah, everything you've said is is absolutely relevant. And we as Chicago fans are left to say, you know, because. This particular team does not really develop any type of player. It's not like we're the Steelers and we're great with wide receivers or we're the, you know, Eagles and we have a defensive line and an offensive line that are incredible. Uh, We also don't have five former Georgia players who are his teammates uh, on our roster, which they do in Philadelphia. Again, perfect place for that. But offensive line specifically, let's just focus on right for a second, because I think everything you said about Jalen is correct. Like Darnell offensive line is a unit of five people playing together. And if they don't play well together, they all take shit. And if they do play well together, they're good. (laughs) And Wright has been doing the best he can really odd on an Island doing his own thing because there's been turnover at right guard right next to him. Now Davis is back and, it was a personal situation. He had death of a family member. He was not focused on football, and rightfully so. He said the Bears supported him, gave him everything he needed. He's happy to be back in the fold. It looks like he's probably going to be there going forward. That side, just in the flashes we saw last week, looks like it could be pretty good. Exactly. Right. Right. Could be yeah. a lot better with support from Davis, yes. who was a preeminent free agent addition and i know it's a rough start but now he's there tevin's coming back he's probably not going to play this week but he's going to come back probably next next week we'll see i think we we'll see we'll see but that means whitehair probably pivots to center which means patrick's not on the field which is these are all additions by addition (laughs) literally we've got davis coming back that's an addition that takes some some rushes some veteran stunts off Darnell's plate. White hair comes back, makes the calls veteran center. He's had issues snapping before and he's not played great anywhere lately, but I think we can agree. He's better than Patrick at center. Tevin has shown flashes of incredible power. He seems to have settled in at guard. They stopped swapping him left to right. Now you're looking at possibly Tevin Cody, 
Nate Davis, Darnell Wright as four of five. Left tackle, still a question. Is it going to be Borum? Is it going to be, you know, we'll see. And there's not a great answer there. It's possible that, you know, they get their left tackle back from IR. We'll see. I doubt it. But it doesn't much matter. Like, now you have a, short of injury, solid for working. And we'll probably see some passable offensive line play. And that would be a huge step up from where we've been, which is guys dropping to different levels, missing stunts, running into each other, like complete chaos, which makes it very hard to do anything else. Run the ball, play quarterback, throw more than a three-step drop. Like that alone, that sort of gelling and solidifying of the offensive line is a reason for potential small flickers of hope. Like, and you're probably going to see better things from right in that situation where he doesn't have to worry about literally the three guys to his left, you know, doing different stuff on every play. Like once they start growing together, it's not going to happen immediately, but three games, four games in five games in like you might start to see a fairly dominant right side or very solid right side at the very least. And possibly a reasonable middle and an above average right side. And that would go so far towards making the Bears at least watchable. Because if you've got guys in the quarterback's face at 1.5 seconds every play, I don't care what you're drawing up. Your offense sucks. Like, period. So. It all starts up front. Uh, last one from Zimmerman that I that I pulled from last week. Would the Bears' pass rush be more effective if we just switched to counting five Mississippis rather than playing football? Oh, I, you know, honestly, I, when I read this one, I thought three Mississippis would be a big step up. Well, somebody said that, and he was like, "No, no, no, you don't get to do that because like that, <laughs> that, that's too that's too fast, right?" But uh, so, I, it's faster right now with linemen in the way. Think about that. Five Mississippis is, is a little longer though. Like, so I think that's what he's saying. I, like, you know, look, five uh, Mississippis would be great. And maybe that's what we get from that solidified four from Tevin Cody. Well, I think know, this is the I, other way. Yeah. This is the, the, the defensive pass rush, right? Yeah. The bears pass rush. So, so we, oh, can we oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the other way. <laughs> oh. So this is, this is the bears defense. So would you rather oh. say I'll take the bears pass rush or I'll just count to five Mississippis. Well, I would honestly right now take anything besides the Bears pass rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I think that's the right answer. It's he, not very inventive. And... Like, whoa, that's too fast, right? The five yeah, 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 okay. I was thinking the opposite. Oh, you were thinking the other way. Protection. Yeah, both yeah. lines have been, have been bad, right? So it's, yeah, it's, right. Fair, it's fair to have that you reaction. You can spread blame. Um, no, the Bears pass rush, it's difficult because it's a little bit like the Carolina receiver thing. Like you're not likely to get a number one receiver and before the trade deadline, like it's not going to happen. Same thing with pass rusher. Like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like Max Crosby's not walking through those doors. It's, like it's, nobody's straight TJ Watt, right? Nobody's yeah. coming, right? right? You have what you have. And it is again, back to the sort of Roquan and Sam Mustafer and, you know, Nicholas Morrow thing, like Travis Gibson goes out and literally in his first rush gets a strip sack again, playing on a very good Titans defensive line, which the bears do not have, but it's like, Oh, you couldn't use that guy. Like that guy did create some pressure. It was not consistent. It was not great, but he created some as a reserve right now. The guys that you kept have created none. And last I checked, I mean, you know, you're the science guy. Check my math. Some is better than none. <laughs> they have two sacks so far this year. It is bad. That, that is some, is, some is better than none. So that that's a difficult thing. But you're not you're not going to get like pass rush help at the trade deadline. Like it's not going to happen. It's going to have to be in the next draft, in the next free agency cycle. And then that's a tough thing because without pass rush, your defense is going to be stretched and your secondary is super injured and young. Like these are, this is bad on bad. Yep. Uh, again, they had 20 sacks last year. They only have two so far this year. They are on pace for half of what they had last year. And last year was terrible. Was <laughs> last year was super history. bad. Yeah. It was like the worst in team history. And again, the sack stat has only been around since 1982, but it was the worst that they ever had. All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here. But before we do, how was the bourbon? I really like it. I am in. 
It is interesting. I've looked at it several times and honestly, there are people that buy on the label and there are people that don't buy on the label. And I was like, ah, it's a little kind of trendy looking. And I didn't know the history of the distillery till I watched uh, the documentary on Empire Rye, which they're part of. And then I was like, oh, it's a thing. Like they're going minimalist. Cool. Um, you know, and I like the tasting notes description in the glass. Fantastic stuff. I'm in uh, looking forward to the rest of the bottle. So I think I think it's pronounced Mojita Rita. I think I mispronounced Mojita it earlier. Rita. Okay. Right. Well, I think I, I, I you're on the right a, track, but I think I took out a syllable or two or something, <laughs> but I think it's Mojita Rita. So I like it. Uh my my wife is getting more into tequila. She she mm. likes bourbon, but she's getting more into tequila. I think she likes tequila as much or even maybe slightly more than bourbon. So I'm trying to Trying to will, buy some tequilas. I will have to share some tasting notes with I, with you and, and that. Your that sounds great. Um, and so now I have more tequila around. I like rum. I'm I'm a rum fan. Uh, Ooh, but again, I have I'm mostly bourbon. But but I, but I do like rum. But anyway, I had this bottle. I had this mint laying around. I had this tequila. I, I'm gonna try. You know, and I it's love good. the fact it's the practicality, right? I had it's to use something cold. Got to use the mint. I got yep. this. Like. This is what I'm going to do with that. Like scratch. What a bartender cooking. does. I love it. Yeah. You know what? I adapt to the ingredients, the pieces around me. I'm willing. You know what that makes you, JB? What do you a got? A good coach. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly where I was going. I'm willing yep. to adapt to the pieces that I have. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Keep the questions coming. Uh, again, this, this, this year is going to be driven by you. Let's have some fun with it because uh, clearly the team is not giving us that much fun uh, time to talk about. But we'll be back next week soon. That's all done. Right now. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.